Hello folks, my name is Kenny Walker and you're listening to the Rail and Road Podcast. On this episode we are discussing accessible travel and looking at what is being done to help passengers that require assistance to travel to be able to do so safely with confidence and ease and what more needs to be done. I'm joined in discussion today by James Taylor, Executive Director of Scope, the Disability Equality Charity, and Stephanie Tobin, Deputy Directors of Consumers at ORR. Hi, hi, hi Kenny. Hi both. Okay, so before we kick things off, it's worth mentioning that in the year to March 2020, there were 1.2 million book passenger assists on the railway in Great Britain. That's assistance arranging from ensuring station staff are aware of the help required, be it the deployment of a, a wheelchair ramp or guiding someone who's visually impaired to the right place on the right platform at the right time. That's 1.2 million book passenger assists. Plus on top of that, you've got all those turn up and go passengers who don't book ahead, but also require help at the station. Now that's a lot of assistance. And thankfully most of the time it works well, but it isn't 100% feel safe. Now obviously COVID-19 has had a massive impact on numbers of people traveling as well, but they still are. And a recent survey by Scope shows that one in five disabled employees has had requests for working from home or to be furloughed or redeployed during the pandemic, rejected by their employers. That means one in five disabled staff need to choose between keeping their jobs or staying safe. So let's bring in James. James, I know Scope campaign for better travel for disabled passengers. Just how important is it that train and station operators get the assistance right? Yeah, thanks, Kenny. I I, I think it is vitally important. Um, travel... <laughs> Public transport and, and travelling by public transport can be at the best of times frustrating for everyone. I think for, for disabled people in particular, there are many more added frustrations and uncertainties that can turn what on the face of it should be a straightforward journey from one place to another um, into a bit of a nightmare. So whether that's missing a stop because... Um, assistance doesn't turn up, um, whether it's being ignored by fellow passengers, um, getting around can be really difficult. So I think a lack of assistance, um, a lack of up-to-date information means that getting to work, getting out and about, and crucially, I think disabled people feeling like they have independence can all be hard to uh, achieve if... um, assistance isn't there or isn't working. Now, research um, Scope conducted uh, with a thousand disabled people last year um, found that one in three uh, disabled passengers said that difficulties with public transport reduced their independence. And two in three had experienced some form of issue with the transport network in the previous 12 months. So I think those two Um, points really highlight how critical it is for train and station operators to be getting uh, assistance for disabled passengers right and and I think it's important to do that for a number of reasons both to meet legal duties under the Equality Act and and regulations but but also to improve customer satisfaction and to get disabled customers coming back to use your service again. I think something we um, at Scope and, and, and many others hear about is the at times um, unreliable um, nature of assistance. It's a reoccurring theme. 
a quarter last year, a quarter of disabled people said last year they weren't satisfied with it. And a similar similar number said that pre-booked assistance failed to turn up. So I think it's really disappointing when assistant, uh, assistance isn't right, because there's often a lot of effort and forward planning that goes into an org- goes into organizing a journey by a by a disabled person um but i think just to to temper some of that i think it's also really important to recognize some of the positive moves that that have been made um over the last well certainly over the last 12 months in the industry to improve passenger assistance for disabled people and to try and improve the overall um experience of of a passenger journey for for disabled customers the the assisted uh, travel policy guidance provisions for reducing the notice period to to passenger assist and for strengthening consistency, I think are really good moves and something um, I know we at Scope and, and other charities, but also disabled people have sort of been wanting for quite a long time. So I think that's very positive. And I think on top of that, we have the forthcoming passenger assist mobile app, which um, we certainly believe could help lots and lots of um, disabled people um, uh, have a better experience with assistance, be able to communicate with a station, with a member of staff, with a train operating company much more easily, and hopefully reduce some of that, um, uh, reduce some of that frustration, certainly, but I think also try and reduce some of that um, effort and huge amount of planning that I was talking about, that often many of us have to put in uh, before we even get to a station. Um, and hopefully the, the assistance app can, can improve some of that um, and reduce some of that time needed to do that. Okay. Thanks, James. So um, obviously, like I had mentioned earlier, that it's not 100% feel safe and there is frustrations there uh, amongst passengers, as, as James describes. And Stephanie, if I can bring you in. So um, what is ORR doing um, just to make sure that train companies and station operators get things right? Oh, thanks, Kenny. And and thanks, James, because I think James mentioned quite a few of the things that we are doing, which is very helpful. But I think just to start out, I think it's really, really important that we are thinking across the piece. You know, this is so important for the independence, for, you know, travelling to work, for healthcare, for education, you know, for going out on social events. This is this is basically life. You know, this is so important to people to be able to travel independently. So what we've done, and we've been working on this for, for a number of years now, um, is is we got um, thousands of, of disabled travellers on, on rail to actually come back with their feedback on their experiences of their journeys. And looking at that and working with experts like James and looking at the train companies and Network Rail and also government, we developed this guidance, um, which we call our Accessible Travel Guidance, um, to help operators develop their policies in this area. So that was it. That was a huge piece of work and that was only published um, last year. And as soon as the, the guidance was published, then we required the operators to actually develop this, this policy and, um, that they were actually going to apply when they're trying to help passengers. And a lot of the things James mentioned is actually in that that sort of policy document. Things like reducing the notice period for booking assistance. It was 24 hours. We, we couldn't go anywhere um, unless you did a turn up and go. You couldn't book assistance um, in less than 24 hours. It's now at 10 p.m. the night before. Um, it's moving down to six hours before travel next year and then to two hours before travel in, in the year after that. So that, that was a real big step change that, that 
that we put in place there. So we look at we look at this guidance, we, we looked at the policies and we try and ensure that the companies are actually doing what they say because it's all very well talking about all the stuff on paper, but actually then going on to monitor how it's how it's working in practice. Is it is it delivering? Um, are people traveling? Are more people traveling, which would be very helpful? Um, and if not, how then can we change it? Or what action can we take? Because we do have legal powers in this area. So I think we've got a lot of tools, Kenny, but, but also we've, we've been doing it before. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Now, James, you mentioned um, the independence this gives um, disabled passengers to be able to travel and that feeling of independence that the rest of us will take for granted. Uh, you must hear some heartwarming stories of how passenger assistance improves people's lives, and, but also I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, of sometimes when it doesn't go quite well. Yes, definitely to both, and I, you know, I think um, the 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 figures that that you shared at the the beginning around just how many uh, journeys are made with passenger assist each year, um, there are some you know phenomenally positive stories, and and many disabled people thankfully have a um, stress free, issue free journey, and. Um, I think a lot of that is down to both the individual staff at, at stations, many, well, all of whom are incredibly helpful. And I think we've heard from from some disabled passengers, particularly during this um, year and, and during lockdown, how helpful um, staff have been in terms of providing masks, um, offering sanitizer, supporting with guidance to and around a station concourse. Um, as well as stories um, around staff who just know what they're doing, are incredibly kind, well aware of what they can and can't do um, in terms of social distancing and being extremely um, supportive. So there are 1.2 million, as you said, passenger assist um, journeys each year. I think thankfully many of those go um, without go off without a hitch and are completed without a hitch. But of course there are you know, a significant number where there are issues and those are the areas that we we need to focus on and I've talked about um, in sort of broad terms a few of them so whether that's um, assistance failing to turn up at a station um, if, a, if a taxi or, or private hire vehicle or a cab is being needed to, for an onward journey from a station occasionally that doesn't turn up um, I think one of the biggest um, gripes uh, for want of a better word is around people's attitudes so whether that's you know perhaps staff lack of awareness on occasion um, potential um, misunderstanding but also from fellow fellow passengers um, not having that understanding either not being particularly supportive it's those occasions where um, I think certainly many disabled people who've experienced them would feel um, potentially like a, a second-class citizen um, and where sometimes we see um, potential discrimination um, playing out. So it's really important we focus on how we can improve um, journeys for everybody by looking at things like training, public awareness campaigns. Um, I think in the in the time that we're living in now, um, a big focus on um, both face masks but also face mask exemptions, what support there is available for disabled people to get around um, and use public transport safely at the moment too. Thanks James. So yeah, underlines there's an onus on us all to uh, be aware when we're travelling of those around us and, and be mindful of people with 
uh, not just the, the disabilities, the visual disabilities as you can see, but um, a lot of people with um, disabilities that, that aren't aren't visible for the rest of us. So it is important to be mindful when we, we do travel to others. Stephanie, um, just to bring you back in again. So how do ORR become aware when, when things don't go right? Um, and what action do you take or what action can you take? Yeah. Um, to be honest, Kenny, there's multiple sources of information. There, there are loads of, of listening posts for us um, on a basis. Um, things come in whether whether things have gone wrong um, or whether they've gone particularly well or whether people just want to talk about things. I mean, this is a, a really interesting area where a lot of people have a lot of views and experiences. And I recognise some of the things that, that James was talking about. But on, on a sort of formal basis, um, we monitor um, how the companies are performing and, and how we do that is really by asking passengers who've just been through um, the experience of, 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 you know, having assistance, whether it went well, whether it didn't go well, whether they were satisfied. And literally we, we do that, you know, within days of the experience actually happening because the industry have their contact details and then we can approach them and say, would you be interested in giving us feedback on that experience? So we gather that, um, you know, throughout the year, we gather it in a big enough sample for, for all of the operators so that we can look at their performance across the piece. And then we can start asking those questions about what, what, why, why is it, you know, 90% of passengers are, are, are happy in this area, yet it's, you know, 75% here. What are the differences? What is going on there? But, you know, from that, as I said, you know, issues are raised to us through social media and um, by stakeholders like James, whether it's direct complaints into the ORR, uh, just generally in the media. So there's often a lot of noise. Opportunity to go back to operators and really ask for an explanation, to ask them to investigate exactly what has happened. And that might be something very simple you know that, that can have a huge impact on the passenger but it seems quite simple to the operator when you know someone didn't either answer the telephone or a piece of information wasn't passed on or somebody was doing something else important no doubt to their job at the station but actually then something failed in the process to help the passenger and we can explore how that can be changed we can look at whether it is actually something deeper that needs looked at um, and and ultimately you know we can take action we can take enforcement action if we feel there is a systemic issue if we feel the industry and the operators are just not moving forward and trying to tackle some of the failures that happen and trying to improve in this area we can move forward to say well no okay we have powers available to us that we can use to ensure things are improved in this area so so there is a lot there's a lot you could say about that subject but it's vitally important that we continue to get information in to understand the experiences of passengers and we speak to passengers all the time um, and understand you know firsthand exactly what is actually happening to them okay great thanks stephanie so i'm gonna um put you on the spot here and, and ask ask us both of you um what do you think's working well right now um ask you james first please yeah I think there are lots of lots of things that are that are working well. I, I think from a um well from my personal perspective, um I think it's 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 been really good to see a um an increased focus of attention on this area. Um 
particularly from yourselves, but also from government in terms of the inclusive transport strategy. Um, and I think that's something that has been much needed. Now, I don't think we've got necessarily the answers to, to all of the um, problems of solutions to um, the problems. And there are many disabled people who, as we've been talking about, are um, having some truly awful times and having some bad times, but also having some good times. But I think the fact that there is um, it feels like there's more concerted action on passenger assist on disabled passengers um, now than there perhaps has been um, over the last three to four years. That to me feels like um, the start of something and something that feels like it's working well now and will be working even better in the future. Okay, and Stephanie, what, what is it do you think is working, working well now in this area? I do I do quite agree with James. I think there's a huge amount of focus just now. And I, I think what's what's really helping is a lot of collaboration because this is not something that can improve um, in one particular area. It is important that the whole industry really comes together and realises its obligations and responsibilities in this area and works together to look at the experience of passengers and, and to think about how things can be improved. So I have a lot of confidence that that is actually working. But I think I think you just have to come back to that the, there are some just really committed staff who provide a great service and often go above and beyond what you might expect. And we hear some fabulous stories about, about you know, things where, where someone hasn't perhaps been able to get in contact with a member of staff at another station, and but they actually knew who they wanted to get in contact with and they sent a text. And that text was received by this person who was actually on holiday on the beach, who then you know, <laughs> obviously couldn't do anything, um, but knew who to contact, got back in touch with the person at the station the passenger was arriving at and ensured that assistance was provided and, and you know it's sort of slightly comical it shouldn't work like that but that what, what a level of commitment for, for staff to to do things like that so I think there are some great stories to be told as well as some of the difficulties. Okay and thanks Stephanie so I, I read recently that ORR took action over a, a station that was inaccessible for, for passengers using wheelchairs so how is that possible um, if you can explain and and yeah. Or can you say more about that for us? I, I can say a little bit, Kenny. It, it was a particular uh, station. It was called Lip Hook Station. And what was happening was the operator was um, habitually or, or constantly, really, um, <laughs> providing passengers with taxis instead of uh, assisting them on and off the train. And, and when we looked into this, it, it was actually our safety inspectors um, who looked into this, we discovered that they didn't actually have a ramp available for, for staff and, and passengers to use. Um, and the difficulty at that particular station was actually the, the, the type of platform um, and the gap between the, the train and the platform and the narrowness of the platform. So it's not, it wasn't a bespoke ramp, that, sorry, it was a bespoke ramp that was actually required on that occasion, but it had never been purchased, that had never been looked into. And and I just think that that just shows that, that you, you you get into this sort of difficult situation where you just accept it as the norm that that's okay but actually what when we looked into it we looked at the legislation that applied and we looked at the trains that were stopping we thought well no actually that is that's not acceptable and we can take action here so we've issued an improvement notice to ensure that action is taken and hopefully the the operator will go for um, a bespoke ramp and um, they could make other adaptions at, at the station but i think actually taking action to ensure this changes is the important point here. Okay, thanks, Stephanie. That's an interesting one, and one I'm sure we'll watch watch with interest yeah. as as time goes by. I really appreciate both of your time. Um, one final question to both of you: With 
2021 almost upon us. We'll go to you, James, first. What is number one on your wish list for the new year when it comes to passenger assistance? <laughs> I think perhaps going back to how we how we started this conversation on 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 passenger assistance and passenger assist, and I think look, the one the one thing that uh, you know scope, but I'm sure many disabled people would too wish for uh in 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 the new year um is for assistance to work first time and to work all the time and i think being able to travel fairly and not having to worry about um some, whether someone's able to meet you in your onward journey or that taxis will will fail to turn up i think it's that getting that assistance getting all of those 1.2 million journeys um working um first time for disabled people and, and working all the time would be uh i think our wish for for next year okay yeah so we know we know what's uh, james number one on his wish list for for the new year so uh, stephanie um what's number one priority for orr in 2021 well, james has stolen my thunder kenny because <laughs> because that is exactly what i would wish for i was trying to come up with a way of expressing it that captured more than one you know of the kind of areas but effectively it's all around reliability and, and really giving confidence to people that things will happen when they're supposed to and, and we genuinely think that um the industry um app that they've developed to try and help with assistance should go leaps and bounds to providing that confidence. You know, you should be able to know who, the name of the actual member of staff that's going to come and assist you. They, they should have, uh, you know, information on the telephone to tell them, you know, what your assistance needs are, what your name is, where you're going to meet them. And and you can just, even by talking that through and, and, and thinking about it, that, that's just so much better um, than maybe having a, an, an email and, and hopefully everything will be okay on the day. I think it's just people are used to that now. They're used to that level of certainty, whether it's, it's you know, um, you know, if you think about the amount of information you get when you, you receive a parcel at the moment, it's incredible. And there's a lot of information you might not really require, like the, the driver's name, etc. But, but, you know, when it comes to assistance, this is so vitally important for passengers. That is exactly the sort of information you want. You want the confidence that somebody's waiting for you and they're going to be able to help you. So exactly the same, reliability, and we think technology can definitely help there. Thanks very much. And thanks, Stephanie and James. And thank you all for listening to the Real and Road podcast. If you have any questions and anything we've discussed today, feel free to drop us an email at podcast.orr.gov.uk and we'll aim to bring you an answer on the next episode. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>